the Red Rooms. Supposedly on the deep web, there are websites where you can pay money to watch people get murdered live. This has always been considered a urban legend until the Italian police investigated one. Then we take a look at the podcast, Dead Rabbit Radio. After so many episodes, conspiracy theories are starting to pop up. Why does this podcast exist? What is its end goal? And the answer may lie in your dreams. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend, doing whatever you love doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command, it's one of our legacy Patreon supporters. You know his name, you say his name. It's Robert Paulson. Everyone give a round of applause to Robert Paulson. He's walking in. Robert, you're going to be our captain, our pilot. He actually did some fan art for us as well. You know what? Actually, let's do that. For Fan Art Friday, let's use his fan art that he made. He did this. We really, really appreciate it. And then he started supporting the Patreon. So, Robert, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. And look at this dope fan art. It's the Ouija board. The Ouija board, Dead Rabbit Radio logo. Looks great. True classic. Really, really appreciate the work, Robert. And Robert is a Patreon supporter as well, so you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Write reviews about it. Talk to your friends about it. Talk to your family about it. Post flyers. We have flyers in the show notes. If you can't help the show financially, that is another great way you can help the show and keep the show going. Robert Paulson, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the... A shovel. Let's go ahead and take the Carpenter Caboose. We're taking this choo-choo train all the way from Dead Rabbit Command out to Italy. Robert Paulson's wearing his little conductor outfit. He didn't even know he'd be riding the caboose. It's just his favorite clothes. Robert is bringing us out in this train, underwater tunnel, all the way out to Italy. There's this really interesting story that's happened in Italy recently. But before we start talking about that, let's back up a bit. So the Red Rooms, I've talked about them on the podcast. I don't think I did a proper episode on them. They're on the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg, and this is what it is. We're sitting in Italy, and we're in a a cyber cafe, if those still exist. And I'm like, hey, distract the barista, and then you you go get me some coffee because I'm thirsty. And then you watch the door, because we're going to use this public... I don't know why, we're just not doing this in a hotel room. I don't want to use my laptop. We're going on to the dark web. And supposedly, like, again, this was an urban legend. There's been a lot of debate over whether or not these exist. There's been a lot of debate over whether or not snuff films exist. Now, snuff film, I'm sure you guys are aware of it. I'm sure you guys have an extensive collection of it. A snuff film, specifically, it's it's the murder of someone on camera, but it has to be made for commercial purposes. There's tons and tons of footage of people being killed. Snuff films have a distinction. This is the way law enforcement looks at it. It has to be made. The main goal of it is not as a warning to rival cartels. It's not to scare people. It may have those as secondary goals, but the main goal is this is commercially produced. It doesn't have to have a $60 million budget, but the main goal behind it must be to make money off of the footage. Commercially produced product. That's what makes it a snuff film. Unfortunately, there's gore videos everywhere, but for it to be a snuff film, 
when they sat down and they go, we're going to murder some people today and we're doing it and we're going to record it on camera for the purpose of making money off the production of the footage. And the FBI has long said there is no such thing as snuff films. That, so that is what the snuff film is. And a red room is even more mythical because a red room requires it not only to be commercially made, right? You still have to have that thing. A Red Room is not watching gore videos online. It has to be for commercial purposes and it was it's live. It's live footage. So again, a gory death in a Red Room does not count as a Red Room video. The Red Room has to be made for commercial purposes and you can watch it live. Whether or not you're watching, you might have not woken up in time, but it, people were able to watch it live. That's what a, that's what the definition of a red room video is. I'm sure if it's, I'm sure if the the room is mauve or red or purple, it doesn't matter. But the idea is some people could watch it live over the internet. Now the the sticking point to this was that the dark web is really, really slow. You're using the Tor browser to get there. It's super slow. People think it has a ton of security. It doesn't. They'll find you. They, they're constantly busting people on the dark web. I'm surprised that it still has this reputation of being top secret. But you can't stream live video on the dark web. The, the internet speeds weren't fast enough. Well, that's I'm using the past tense now. When I did an episode... When I talked about the Red Rooms, it was, again, on the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg, I talked about it maybe the first year of the podcast. That was that was considered, the feds go, listen, there's it's a myth. Because you can't stream live video footage over the dark web. It's way too slow. It would be unfe- unfeasible to do it. But like all technology, it marches forward. And now people are saying, well... They could have gotten better. They could have gotten better broadband, could have gotten better Ethernet cables where this stuff is supposedly taking place. Because in 2019, in Italy, Operation Delirio took place. The Italian police force, in one swoop, arrested 25 suspects spread across 13 provinces. And they were able to target these people because they were the worst of the worst. What these people were searching for, finding, and hosting on their computers was beyond anything that these officers were prepared for. And the suspects were shocking as well. Out of these 25 suspects, you had six adults. The other 19 were minors. I think the youngest was around 12, 13 years old, and then the oldest was 17. And this all came out because a concerned parent went through her son's, her 15-year-old son's phone, and saw illegal content on it. And illegal content meaning this 15-year-old had child porn on their phone. So the parent contacted the police, because what else are you going to do at that point? It's a little late for intervention. You got to get law enforcement involved. The parents contact the police and the police started interrogating him. And they begin to talk to this kid and find out who he's sharing these videos with, who he's sharing these photos with. And that is when this kid tells them, some of these videos we watched live. Investigators are, what? And he goes, what What videos are you talking about? And the, this kid, this 15-year-old kid, now you can say the, the word of a 15-year-old kid in a police station is probably shaky. 
But he's now going to be admitting to something morally worse, I, I would argue, than child porn. Because what they're watching in these dark web videos is the torture and murder of children in these red rooms. And he goes, we paid money on the dark web and they showed the police officers these sites where we pay money and they take these kids from third world countries they take them in this room and they torture them and they murder them. And we get to pay if you have enough money, because not I don't know if these kids are funneling their allowance into this thing. But if you have enough money, you can choose what happens to the kids. Now, I'm not going to go into the gory details of what the actually was going. I'm sure you can use your imagination. and You're probably pretty irritated that you have to use your imagination in the first place. That he goes, people would choose this and people would choose that. And then we would see that acted out on camera. And the police are able to sweep up all these other suspects. And, and they, don't, they don't know what to do. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, the child porn, that's illegal. They're going to be charged with that. Would they be charged with accessories to murder if they're doing this thing? Now, there are Red Room scams out there, too. Where you donate your Bitcoin and you don't get anything. Which, if you're going to scam anyone, scam people who want to watch Red Rooms. I have no problem with that. And, but that wasn't the case. They had these videos on their phone. They had this stuff on their phone. And the police just, like, how do you prosecute that? I don't think it's illegal to own snuff. It's obviously illegal. Because, see, legally it doesn't exist. But now the Italian police are saying, well, it does. This stuff was made for commercial intent. And it was made on the dark web. It's what we always feared. Because even though the law enforcement said snuff films don't exist, it's one of those things that it feels like they do. It doesn't feel like they should. I'm not saying that they should exist, but doesn't it when people... I remember when you first heard about snuff films, they were terrifying. People getting killed on camera. On purpose. And then I remember reading that they weren't real by the FBI. They released this document. It was like back in the 80s because they used to be a bigger thing, the fear of snuff movies. But when you hear the FBI, when you hear law enforcement talk about it, you go, yeah, that makes sense. But it feels like they're real. It, it's one of those things that would not shock me if it turns out that they are real and the FBI botched their investigation or they were covering something up because they're a bunch of weirdos. I don't know. I'm not saying the FBI loves their snuff, but... It, it's when they came out and they denied it, which they could be right. They could have been right at that time. There were no murders shot specifically for commercial gain. But nowadays where you can take Bitcoin and you can do this stuff online and as streaming gets better and better and better. Unfortunately, getting better in this case. Um, I could see people doing this and they're going there. These children were mostly from Southeast Asian countries so it's it's an interesting true crime story it's absolutely terrifying and right now like you see because all of these kids are minors we have no names and this happened in 2019 i was looking at the story again there hasn't been a lot of movement on it at least not that's been reported so who knows if they're still investigating it and these kids are still facing trial but as far as i can tell they haven't had their trial yet 2019 and then we rolled into coronavirus and now I've officially said enough keywords to get this episode blocked on Spotify. But as of right now, they're just in, in I'm assuming, in, I hopefully in jail. 
But it appears that the internet myth is true, that red rooms do exist. And it's one of those things that even though I covered it before and said technologically it couldn't exist in the back of our heads, our far collective head, we all have one, you're thinking, yeah, but unfortunately it would make sense if they did. And this Operation Delirio seems to have proved something we all kind of believed was possible all along. Roger, Roger, Roger Paulson, Roger Paulson. We are leaving behind Italy. You're like, Jason, why does your your voice sound so bad? Well, because now this is my official Carpenter Copter headset is my eyes shift from side to side. It's not that I'm making an edit and I'm not at home. It's It's not that I can't clean up my mistake. I'm wearing this headset officially to let Robert Paulson know we are leaving behind Italy. Hop on board this Carpenter Copter, young man giving you the keys. We are headed out to your bedroom. This last topic is really kind of out there. I mean, it is taking place in your bedroom. We know what a freak you are. This is a really bizarre spin on this show. Because we've talked a lot about hypersigils on this show and how I use the law of attraction to draw audiences to the show. I think you have to visualize success and know you're already successful for you to be successful, and you have to do hard work. We've talked about that a lot on this show. But at what point does the show itself become a hypersigil? Now, this show is... I produce all this content, I edit it, I research it, I present it. That's it. There's no team on my side. There's people I talk to from time to time about topics I may or may not do. I talk to the Patreons during the live show about it as well. But as far as the actual construction of the show, it's just me. There's no other editor. There's no writer. There's no researcher. There's nothing. It's just me. And this show, it's funny to think about it, has no competitors as far as what this show is. It exists in its own space. The closest that comes to it is Coast to Coast AM, where it's a daily show about paranormal topics. There's The Ghost Hunters have a daily show, but they mostly just talk about ghosts. They have a daily podcast as well. But we came into the game three years ago, and we have more episodes. And I'm not bragging. This is kind of setting this up. We came in three years ago, and we already have more episodes than last podcast on the left. We have more episodes than Mysterious Universe, which has been in production since 2006. Their episodes are longer. Their episodes are longer, but they cover less stories. A general episode of Mysterious Universe might cover one or two stories, maybe three on the bonus. Last podcast on the left usually covers one story mostly. And sometimes they'll have four episodes that cover a story. Now, both of those podcasts are more in-depth with their stories. I like to sum it up, give you the the information, just get it done in 15, 20 minutes. But different strokes for different folks, and both of those podcasts are great, and I understand why they're, I understand definitely why they're far more popular than this show, 100%, and they're really good at what they do, and hats off to them. But when you have one person focusing, I spend about 20, 25 hours a week on this show. After, we're on episode, what, like 740-something. That energy, it's so hyper-focused. 
Where is it going? And more importantly, what's it doing to the fabric of reality? Let's say 740 episodes. Let's say average two stories an episode. That's 400. That's 1,480 stories. I've been getting weird emails lately. This isn't a bit. I've been getting weird emails and weird YouTube comments lately from you guys. A while back, I got a YouTube comment from Nikolai Mishkin. And they asked me a question. They go, hey, um... Where's that season trailer you uploaded a while back? That was one of the best videos I've ever seen anywhere. Was it here or Instagram? Now, I did a season trailer once. I did a season trailer a long time ago. It was like between seasons three and four, four and five, something like that. And I I didn't know what he was talking about because it definitely wasn't the best video that anyone had ever seen. It it wasn't a video either. I I don't even... I think I was posting stuff on YouTube at the time. I'm sure I was, but... No video. So I asked him about it. What are you talking about, dude? Now, Nikolai is one of those guys who came on late to the show. He's only been listening for the past couple months, but he's listened to every episode. And he goes, there was this short video you released a while back. It was a trailer for Dead Rabbit Radio. And it was me playing Fortnite. It was about four minutes long. And I was doing Mungo's voice, who was a reoccurring character back in the day. And... I said one of the lines he thought was funny was, but can he get the girl? And I was cracking these jokes and doing this Mungo voice. And the song Bella Royale, which is the ending credit song, is playing in the background. He goes, I want to watch that video again. It's so funny. That video doesn't exist. I never made anything like that. I don't have the technological know-how. And I've tried to stream video while doing anything. Like video games, I mean. Video games. I've never been able to do that any sort of overlay, ODP or whatever that program, OPD, it doesn't matter. I can't use it. It doesn't exist. And I told him, I go, dude, that video doesn't exist. It was the best video you've ever seen. And he goes, oh, maybe I was dreaming. Longtime listener of the show, Patreon supporter Tressa, put out a call for an episode. She emailed me and she goes, hey, I'm looking for this specific episode you did. It's about an author, maybe a professor, who wrote about the Fae. And then he disappeared. But before he did, he said that if he ever disappeared, he would have a sign at his funeral to prove that he wasn't dead, but trapped in the Fae dimension like fairies. Do you know what episode this is? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Now that episode did ring a bit of a bell, but I couldn't find it. And when I posted it on the Patreon, they had no idea what she was talking about either. She also came to the conclusion that she must have just had a dream. Then I got this email from Sean, longtime listener of the show. And he said he had this dream. He knew this was a dream from the outset. He was dreaming this. I was in my childhood bedroom listening to the show. And he started talking about a homicide investigation you helped the police with. You said that when you were in college, you found the horribly charred corpse of a child in a park near Drexel University in Philadelphia. And you took a few Polaroid photos and handed them over to the police as evidence. But you kept one photo because you're into the macabre true crime stuff. You also said the crime was never solved. 
Up until this point, you had been telling the story in your usual tone when discussing a serious matter. But then, and I swear, in the dream I felt the hair on my neck standing up because it was such a scary change. You became extremely distraught. As though you were breaking down and fighting back tears, and said that all evidence of the case had disappeared. You said how there was absolutely no mention of the crime on the Philadelphia Police Department website, that all articles about it had been totally wiped from the internet, and your one photo of the body is the only proof that the child ever existed. But you didn't sound like you were alleging a conspiracy to erase the crime. It was very sinister, like you thought you were going crazy. It sounded horribly real, and I woke up in a cold sweat, shivering in relief that it was over. I'm not the only one putting out this podcast. When I say it has no contemporaries, it's more media put out than anyone else. It's a daily show that's put out by a single person on these topics. I'm not the only one. I'm the only one here. In this reality. But I'm not the only one. There have to be other Jasons in other realities. Some of them never started the podcast. Some of them went on to do other things. Some of them did nothing. And continued to dream about being creative while, while watching the creations of others all night long. Not creating myself. But there are other Jasons out there who did start the podcast. And all of this energy that I'm putting out, what if Conspiracy Cap's fully on that these episodes, these incidents are real in alternate universes? I even had that incident where I reported a story about the Zanetti train company that went back in time. And in that episode, I said, I know I've recorded this segment before. I know we've done this story. And I half expected to get a bunch of emails saying, dude, you did do it. You just couldn't find the episode. It was episode 352 or whatever. As I'm telling the story, it sounded so familiar to me that I already recorded it and everything had been done. That what if I did cover it? In another universe. At what point does an artistic project stop being just an artistic project and become a hypersigil, become something else? I'm not telling stories, it is the story. The podcast is. The conspiracy, the podcast, is the paranormal event. And I'm doing it, and this Jason's doing it, and that Jason's doing it, and that Jason's doing it. And because it's just one person behind the mic focusing so much of their energy and so much of their time, it's crisscrossing realities. When you have a team doing it, I'm not knocking teams, and you have a team of 10, 15 people putting together a podcast, that's awesome. But that mental energy is then diluted against 10 or 15 people. I have to do all the marketing all the way to the editing. I do everything. 
And I'm so, so grateful that you are here to listen to this. I'm not diminishing your purpose in the podcast either. But when one person, I spend so much of my time thinking about the show, producing the show, restructuring the show, looking for ways to make it better, finding other things to market it with, promote it with. Are we punching holes through realities and connecting with other podcasts performed by other Jasons and we're starting to get the streams crossed? At what point does it stop being a podcast and start to become a portal? I expect, after doing this segment, that others of you have had dreams like this. But you just didn't, you were like, well, that was a weird dream. I suspect I'm going to get a few more emails or a few more YouTube comments of people going like, dude, that is so weird. Because I've had the same sensation. I swore up and down I heard you cover a certain topic. And maybe I did. Maybe you just heard another version of me tell it. And at this point, we're 740 some odd episodes in, we're not even close to stopping. Not even close. The hypersigil will continue to grow in power. And I don't see it as a negative thing. I'm not worried about it. I'm not concerned about it. I'm curious to see where this goes. As the Dead Rabbit Radio hypersigil continues to grow, we may have a new Mandela effect happening. We may see realities collide in a way we can never expect. And if that happens, you know the first podcast that's going to cover it. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Peace.